Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make Yes, well, welcome to Block Talk Radio on Easter week. As a matter of fact, it's Tuesday night, and uh, we are uh, we're actually are doing a whole week of Easter services, so please uh, check your catch and find out what's going on. We have something going tomorrow night um, is going to be like what most people do on Thursday, but since we normally meet on Wednesday, we're going to call it our Monday Wednesday service, and we're going to have communion online, so don't miss that. And uh, and then we are going to add something at noon Pacific time on Friday, on Good Friday. So um, a special time there, too. So mark your calendars and, and join us. And uh, uh, But tonight, it's Blog Talk Radio. And uh, like we always do, we try to have someone who is taking their faith into the culture, into the world in some way, shape, or form, and, uh, and to help give us all some inspiration on how we can do this with our own lives. And boy, tonight is just a, a wonderful example of that because uh, we have a woman who is uh, is a lawyer, and she is a defense uh, attorney. And um, so we're going to have an incredible time uh, finding out what she has learned um, in this job and in defending people who are poor and indigent and uh, can't defend themselves, which uh, very much sounds like a lot of us, to tell you the truth. Um, in a spiritual way. So uh, this will be a real learning process tonight. So uh, our guest uh, is uh, a native of Dallas. Uh, She has worked representing indigent defendants in the federal criminal justice system since 2014. She served as an assistant federal public defender in Dallas from 2014 until 2019 And in June of 2019, she left the defender's office to go into public practice. And now listen to this. She feels like her vocational calling is to love and walk with individuals caught up in the criminal justice system, give them zealous representation, and to tell their stories in the hopes that people will see that they are more than just the worst thing they have ever done. What a statement that is. So please welcome to Blog Talk Radio our guest tonight, Lauren Woods. Lauren, welcome to The Catch. Thanks so much, John. So good to be here. And I also want to make sure I give credit where it's due. Um, the, the, the phrase, you know, wanting to, to make sure that we see people 
as greater than than just the worst thing that they've ever done is from one of my my heroes and uh, the man named Brian Stevenson. So if your listeners are not familiar with him or his book Just Mercy, I strongly recommend it. Great, great, Brian Stevenson. Okay. Um, so Lauren, uh, you know we talked before how um, uh, a lot of a, a lot of Christians who are doing legal work seem to end up uh, as prosecutors and, and, and you've ended up as a criminal defense attorney and uh, uh, on, the, on the side of the, the guilty, <laughs> which, um, you know, I, I think is truly fascinating. So um, give me just a brief uh, history of, of, your own, of how you got into this and uh, uh, how this got a hold of your heart. So I went to Texas A&M undergraduate, um, and while there, I did a little internship in Geneva working at uh, World Vision International. I did an internship there, and I did some human rights work uh, at the UN there and thought, um, you know, as a Christian who were called to to fight for justice, um, I'm going to do international human rights work. So I went to law school, and... um, in law school, I signed up for the criminal defense clinic uh, because it was an easy A, and it, it's a clinic where law students can represent low-level crimes uh, at state court, and they're supervised by an experienced attorney. And my first client uh, was a young girl, about 18 years old, uh, and she looked like she was 14, and she kept going in and out of the criminal justice and getting in and out of jail uh, for prostitution. And I met her, and I realized that um, she had had a lot of trauma in her childhood. She was raised by her grandma, and she had an addiction to drugs. Uh, She was using drugs to kind of help cope with her anxiety and the different trauma that she never was able to get help with. And mm-hmm. she would, um, she had a number of physical and intellectual disabilities. She couldn't get a job. And so what she'd do is she'd go walk the streets and uh, people would pay a premium for her because she looked so young and she would get the money, do the drugs, and then kind of do it again. And I realized, wait a second, she's kind of a victim. And in a sense, it felt like criminal defense, that what I was doing um, was almost like fighting for human rights or, or fighting for, for the least of these and fighting for justice um, because I didn't think that jail was necessarily the best place for her. It certainly wasn't going to, to create a redemption. Mm. And, um, you know, other, I had other clients that had similar backgrounds in the sense that one, one man was, he, he suffered from some mental illness as well. He was pulled over. He was a poor black man. And, um, he didn't have a, the prescription bottle for the medication that he needed. And so he was charged with driving while intoxicated. And I remember meeting him at court and his hands were shaking and he had this little plastic grocery bag mm-hmm. with all of his belongings to show me. And I thought, these are the people that God mm-hmm. has called me to be with. And these are the people that, that I think if Jesus were here would walk with, you know, he said that whatever you do for the least of mm-hmm. these, you do for me, whether it was, giving me clothes when I was naked, food when I was hungry, or visiting me while I was in prison. And, you know, he says in his first sermon that he came to 
to, to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free. And, and I think definitely for me and my personal journey of what it looked like to follow in the footsteps of Jesus mm-hmm. and to obey his commands, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my goodness, what job could better embody that than being a criminal defense attorney? <laughs> wow. Wow. That's that's fantastic. How do you um, do you do you get to choose who you're going to represent? How does that work work out? So I, you know, I could um, right now. So at the Federal Public Defender's Office, we got all the cases pretty much that came into the office. We just had were kind of were overwhelmed constantly with cases of, of people that couldn't afford to, to pay for their own private criminal defense attorney. And now I left the office so I could spend more time with my kids and have a better work-life balance. Um, and I only take appointed cases right now. And so that means the court will call if they need someone um, besides the public defender to come and represent mm-hmm. uh, someone that's been charged with a crime. And, and before I even agree, or excuse me, I, I have to agree to take a case before I even know what type of a case it is. So I don't pick and choose no. the types of cases that I defend. Um, I but I do right now only defend people who cannot pay for their own attorney. The court pays me. Wow. Um, to what extent uh, would you say the people you are recommending, uh, are, you are representing, are 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 victims uh, rather than criminals? Um, well, I think that that you know, I hate labeling someone a criminal because, right. in a sense, as, especially as Christians, we all are, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all guilty, if you will. Um, but but I would say 90 plus percentage of my clients, and I've, I've represented more than 250 people in the federal system, and I would say 95, 90 plus percentage of them are caught up in some type of crime because of where they've come from, whether that's broken families childhood trauma, poverty, broken systems, things that have happened to them and have victimized them rather than mm. someone, you know, they're not people like me who have grown up in two parent homes with good schools, good neighborhoods, safe neighborhoods, and just decide to, you know, sell drugs mm-hmm. or rob a bank. The reasons why they are where they are. Uh, wow. Uh, is it ever, um, What is it ever hard to do this? I mean, uh, uh, do you feel? Uh, I would imagine you might you might feel like um, d- defending the guilty. Now, what isn't that interesting? And 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 where where does that fit with all the rest of us? You know, um, I'm not sure of my question here, but I think you fo- follow what I'm saying. I- I think I do. And, I, you know, in my, I, I, under, I, I think that there probably could be different situations where it would be difficult. I have not really experienced that. Um, and that's in part because in the federal system, not many people go to trial. And so my job is not about, oh, I'm going to try to get someone that's guilty off to try to trick the people mm. or to trick the government, which I'm not saying that that's what other criminal defense attorneys do, but I think that that's sometimes what people get think of when they think, 
how can you do that? Mm. Um, but, but my job is trying to get, tells people stories to help judges see that perhaps instead of putting this person in the cage for 20 years, maybe, maybe let's look at the bigger picture and see that, mm. that this is not just someone that, you know, that, 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 that someone is, is more than, than just what we have on paper. That's the crime that they committed. Um, so, mm. so in terms of walking with clients, getting to know them, loving them, um, getting them to trust me so that they'll open up and tell their stories to me and then t- taking those stories and, and telling them to the judge to try to fight for a lower sentence in prison um, is not difficult ethically or morally for me to do. It's, a, it's an incredible honor um, and it's mm. something that I love to do. Well, it, well, it sounds like it sounds like what Jesus does for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, are you able? Um, are Are you able to to help people from that standpoint? Are you able to help people spiritually? Are you able to talk about uh, anything you, you, your you know the Lord and what He's done for us? Does that ever come up, or how does that work? Um, it does. You know, I, I want to always be respectful of where people are coming from. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say most of, of my clients are come from faith backgrounds. Um, they've been exposed to church. They're very open to God. They, they're very acutely aware of their need for God. Um, mm. and, and if I believe that that my faith is, is the one thing that's going to give hope in unbelievably hopeless situations, which most of their lives have been and are, um, then I absolutely want to share that with them. Um, and most of them are very receptive. You know, I, I oftentimes will ask my clients if they would want to pray together or if I could pray Mm -hmm. for them. Um, I try, um, you know, I, I'm very honest about my faith and about the motivations for doing what I do and, and how I think mm-hmm. everyone is created in the image of God. We're all image bearers, and, and I believe that there's beauty inside of everyone, and, and but for God's grace, am I on the attorney side and not behind bars? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm able to really, I, I feel like in a natural way, because it, it explains who I am and, and why I do what I do, share my faith with people. Um, and I find oftentimes they're very receptive and and in fact, I, 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 I have had, I had one situation where um, I, I had the unbelievable privilege of seeing uh, God work a miracle in someone's life. And, and it was wow. a, a, a man who was here from Mexico and he very, very poor, very, very difficult life. Um, and uh, the cartel was using him to, to sell drugs here in Dallas. And um, he mm. was looking at so much time because the, the laws for for drugs uh, and dealing in drugs are, are very, very strict. And um, this was someone who he wouldn't look at me when we talked. Uh, we didn't really connect, tell me anything. He was lying about his participation in the offense. So it was a really, really, really difficult um, mm. case 
for me. And in fact, when I left the office, I tried to leave him behind. I didn't want to take him with me. Um, and he, for some reason, I have no idea why, um, convinced me to, to keep being his attorney. And I didn't know why. I didn't think he liked me. I didn't think he trusted me. But he, he asked me to, to, to take his case with him. And I had him for about three years. And wow. I remember visiting him one day in prison and something was different. Um, his whole body had changed. He was sitting up straight. He was smiling. He, he had a sparkle in his eye. And mm. I started talking to him and asking questions. And he started getting so excited telling me, did you know that Jesus is God? And that they're the <laughs> same person and that Jesus came to die for our sins? And it was just unbelievable, first of all, that someone could actually not mm. know that, you know, coming from the Bible Belt, I, mm -hmm. I think like everyone knows that. Um, and he came from, you know, a, a kind of a Catholic background, but he didn't know that. Um, so to, to, to realize or to be reminded that not everyone knows the gospel um, and then to see the yeah. actual um, change in his whole body was incredible mm -hmm. and, and it stayed consistent for the next year and a half that I represented him. And we had a miracle in his case in terms of, he was looking at, you know, more than 20 years and um, he got nine years, which still was a lot of time, but uh, it was a pretty miraculous result for mm -hmm. his type of mm -hmm. case. And, and it was because I believe it was because the judge saw penance, his mm -hmm. remorse and mm -hmm. the change that happened in his life while he was in prison. Lauren, here, I want to ask you a big question here. I, I think that, um, you know, as Christians, it almost is easier, it appears, that it's easier us, for us to, to be legalistic, to, to come down on people uh, uh, with the law and with what they should be and what God wants them to be and all of that than it is to come underneath and offer grace and forgiveness to someone um, and, and, and trust the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Why is that, why is that so hard for us? Honestly, John, I don't know. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I think part of it might be temperament, but I think ever since a young age, you know, we all play different roles in our family, and I was always the, the bad sister. Um, so I think I've always been very aware of my brokenness and my dark mm -hmm. side and my ability to do really bad things. And so in part, I think my temperament um, is what enables me to be very aware of my brokenness and to extend grace to other people's brokenness. So I, I, I wish I could answer your question, but I'm very baffled like you when I see mm -hmm. prosecutors or Christians acting like prosecutors. I think, how can hmm. you, what, you know, why, you know, why are you picking the speck out of, out of this person's eye when you have the laws mm -hmm. right there in yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grace is a, grace is a hard thing. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think sometimes we think, well, we're letting people off the hook or something like that. Um, we're being too easy on them, uh, perhaps. Uh, do, you, do you find that kind of 
sentiment sometimes. Do you ever struggle with that yourself? No, never. <laughs> because of how draconian the punishments are. Um, oh. You know, first of all, I think that prison is a really, really should be a last resort because of how unbelievably dehumanizing it is. It's, mm. it's gross guards mm. treat people with zero dignity. Um, they're just pits of mm. hell. Um, and so, so unless someone I think is very dangerous and the society should be protected from them, I, I don't think that, that prison is a very productive way of having a solution to this type of problem of criminal behavior mm. and the amount of time that we give people, especially for nonviolent crimes um, is so atrocious and so horrendously high that that's why actually it's one of the few things that, that there's bipartisan support on right now is, is trying to, you know, decriminalize, not decriminalize, but, but, but trying to, mm -hmm. To, to lower penalties for, you know, nonviolent drug offenses. And, you know, President Trump, when he was in office, he had non uh, bipartisan support on uh, this legislation called the First Step Act that, that lowered certain mandatory minimums because we realized we had a serious problem um, because mm -hmm. we're putting people in prison too often and for too long. And so absolutely not in my job in the federal system have I seen people uh, get too lenient of sentences. Mm. What about um, the whole aspect of remorse uh, and repentance, that kind of thing? Do you do you find that uh, often in your clients? I do. Um, you know, by the time people get to the federal system, usually they've been in and out of the state system um, a couple of times, and. I do think that most of my clients are remorseful and repentant. Um, mm. And, but the, the problem is they don't have the tools to change. And what I mean is mm. they don't have access. Most, a lot of them have mental health issues, whether that's depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, but, but now I've just become aware of the, the how PTSD uh, happened mm. from childhood trauma. I did not realize that until a mm. recent case of mine. And so, you know, if you have those issues, you need psychological help, cognitive behavioral therapy, appropriate medication, things like that in order, in order to be uh, functioning. And so a lot of them will be repentant, but then they'll go back and, and do drugs again or, or, you know, steal again or do certain things because that's how the only way that they've known how to survive or how to manage their anxiety because they don't have access to the tools that they need um, to get full rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is Easter week. We are, we uh, we're thinking about uh, the death of Christ and, and his resurrection and, and what that has meant in terms of Jesus uh, being our defender. Uh, he's, he's our advocate, according to First John. And um, uh, 
talk about that a little bit because it, it seems like uh, you are in that role. And what is that like for you, knowing what Christ has done for us? I, it, it, it's interesting that you say that because sometimes I have a harder time accepting the grace that God has given me than giving grace to my clients. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start thinking about that more. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, I know because the Bible says that God, God loved us so much um, that he, he gave his only son. Um, and that love for us while we were still guilty, that kind of, it's it covered everything naturally I think outpours through me to my clients. And I feel like God has given, you know, he gives us different gifts of the spirit. And one of the gifts is love. And I I can't really explain the love that I have for my clients, but I do think that it's from the spirit because it's applicable. But I think it's very much like how, how Jesus looks at us and, and his love overlooks the things that we've done you know there definitely was still a consequence he paid the consequence so it's not like you you think that there's has to be no consequences and and my clients certainly are paying consequences um but they're still humans and children of god and and my brothers and sisters uh how um how have you how have you gotten them to trust you and and i i guess behind that is is, is really the question um uh, are are they um do they respond to you with with surprise for instance that that there is someone who really does genuinely care about them does that does that happen sometimes all the time all the time. Um, these are people who have not been able to trust anyone in their lives. The people that were supposed to take care of them, like their parents, um, friends, people on the street. Uh, oftentimes, um, they come from abusive relationships. Uh, so they're very, very slow to trust people. Um, but it's really funny because, not funny, but um, it the smallest things go a long way. Just like being a, a keeping my word, saying you know, I'll, I'll I'll give your wife a call to let her know that you've been arrested, and then calling her, or really just asking questions about them and listening mm. is huge because I think these are people that society misses. We don't see them, um, and so mm. I get to see them, and when they feel and when they feel like what they say matters and like someone wants to listen and be curious about their stories, that's what builds trust because that's mm. what they haven't gotten in the past. Is there anything that you would uh, would like to be doing? Um, is there anything you look into the future to, to do or be or... Uh, are you really happy with this course you're taking? 
you know, right now I have had to scale back because I have a baby and a three and a half year old at home. Um, but in mm-hmm. the future, my husband and I dream about, um, you know, building my practice to where we can have wraparound services, to where we can assist people with housing, which is a huge issue. Um, people come out of prison and don't have, have yeah. any place to go. So they end yes. up going and staying back with people that they shouldn't be staying with or right. the only affordable housing with people with felony convictions are back in the, the, the hoods where they came from, where there's gang violence and drugs and, you know, they're just doomed for, for failure. So where we could offer wraparound housing with wraparound services, with housing, with mental health, with, with um, counseling, with things like that. That's kind of a dream I have. I don't know if that will ever happen, but um, in terms of what actually I am doing in my career, I can't see anything that I would want to do more than being a criminal defense attorney. I just would want to expand um, my practice to be able to kind of have a more holistic approach um, in the future. That's so great. That's so great. We, we are having uh, Susan Burton as a guest in a few weeks. Um, And she is uh, an African-American woman from Los Angeles who was in and out of prison like six times. And uh, uh, you'll totally understand her story because they, they let the, they let, they dropped them from prison, let them out on the bus right on the corner where they picked them up with $200. You know, mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that? You know, exactly. well, you're going exactly. to go right back to where you were. And it was uh, a couple of women uh, who she ran into, who took an interest in her and just the very thing you're talking about. They provided housing for her. They got her a job and completely changed her life and now she is doing that for um for other other women who uh, have been incarcerated and um she meets the bus her her word is she meets the bus now <laughs> that's wow and she, that's amazing she's got, she's got five different homes and um uh it's just uh, the lord has really blessed it so uh Wow. Yeah. That's really that's awesome. A- and then, you know, having to, re- I, I, you just really reminded me of something just that I read the other day. If, you know, if God doesn't build the house, then we labor in vain. So that's another mm. thing thinking about, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of God and just, you know, all of these things right. are, are us, him allowing us to bring his kingdom here on earth. And, and, you know, this is the, the work that, that he's doing and we just get to partner with him, which is so wonderful. Mm. Amen. Well, Lauren, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, especially, uh, I, I'm just especially thankful for uh, the, the, the road you have taken. And um, I hope others will be inspired. Uh, and, and then I, I pray that all of us would um, realize uh, our, own, uh, our own need for the Lord, especially this 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 time of season when we think of what Christ has done for us and how thankful we are for his grace. Yes, so thank uh, you so much for having me, John. Yeah. Okay. You're very welcome and uh God bless you and I hope that dream comes true. I really do. <laughs> thank you. Okay, Lauren. Bless you. Take care. Happy, happy, happy Easter. Okay. 
Happy Easter to you. Okay, bye-bye. How about that? Yeah. That was wonderful. Wow. And did you realize how how honest he was? How, boy, it's almost easier for her to give the grace than to receive it herself. And uh, I pray that this time we would all receive God's grace for us. The sinners, the criminals that we are, and uh, turn that grace outward to everyone around us. And, uh, and what a great example uh, that Lauren has given us today uh, of the way she's been able to, to find a vocation that actually does for people. Fantastic. So, God bless you. Happy Easter. Keep, keep spreading and turning the grace of God outward. That's what we're here for. God bless you. See you next week.